my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. In today's episode, you may have heard about the terrible service problems plaguing FedEx, the Postal Service, and UPS. Well, there are some new startups giving them a run for their money. And later, I want to warn you about some scams that are happening to people all over the place. I definitely want you to hear about them. So person after person is having just terrible, terrible problems with the postal service, with mail or package delivery. And my wife, uh, it'd be funny to have her on about this story because it's crazy. Uh, She was looking for a package, didn't show up. Uh, The tracking kind of went lost at a postal facility just a mile and a half from our house and just went lost in space. So she went to the post office that serves us and they looked up when she said she was looking for a missing package and they said, here, go to this address. So she goes to this address, which was about a mile and a half away from us, the other direction and gets to this sort facility for the post office and she walks in wanting to ask you know she was sent over from this other post office to ask about her package and there's a woman screaming at these two people who'd also come in wanting to know what had happened with their mail and she said I had to call the cops on you people yesterday if you people don't leave they're coming again (laughs) and at that point my wife's like Okay, I'm not staying here. It turns (laughs) around. Uh, The end story is the package showed up another three and a half weeks later at somebody else's house. It was delivered a couple of miles away. Somebody who lived on a completely different street and was kind enough to drive the package over to us. Wasn't that great? That's awesome. People are good. Yeah, so anyway... Uh, The Postal Service problems have been, they've been written about so much. And this has all been over the reorganization the current Postmaster General has been doing. Morale has fallen apart. The systems have broken down. And people are having these problems from sea to shining sea. So that was just like added fun on top of what's been going on with FedEx, where people are showing up, business people are showing up at FedEx sort facilities where packages just seem to go to die. And the FedEx people are like just furious that all these members of the public keep showing up demanding their packages. And FedEx is putting out statements, you know, we're sorry, we're having staffing issues, blah, blah, blah. I mean, there's there's real mess going on. And UPS seems lately to be doing better, although they had their share of problems over the last while. So the package delivery thing is just a mess. And the problem is for big companies, when you're ordering from a big company and this happens, it doesn't cause reputational harm to Walmart if FedEx that handles a lot of their deliveries, the deliveries go lost in space. Walmart's big enough, they just send it again. Happens with Amazon. They just send it again. 
you know, because Amazon sends packages all different ways with their own people, with third parties, everything. But what happens if you are a small business person and you're sending a package, you're nothing to these big companies. You don't matter at all. And what I'm so excited about is that there are a number of startups around the United States, I read about a bunch of them in Bloomberg, that are doing niche delivery in a particular uh, area of a state or a major metro of a state, and they're doing local-to-local delivery for small businesses. You're not having to pay for something to go to Memphis or Newark or Oakland with FedEx and be sorted and then go back across the country and not having to do UPS going to Louisville or wherever. I mean, your, your stuff that you're delivering is local, accountable, and the people doing the delivery are small businesses as well. It's not, it's not a eureka kind of thing. It's not going to solve all the problems, but this is a marketplace that need solutions for smaller businesses because smaller businesses really are being so disrespected by these big delivery services. And, you know, it's almost a duopoly. The Postal Service is kind of its own thing, but it's a shared monopoly of UPS and FedEx, and there's not enough competition in the market that will force excellence or lower prices on these companies. So this could be potential equal, equalizing, a potential equalizer for smaller businesses. And this could be an entrepreneurial opportunity for people who want to try doing these local deliveries. The coolest thing is people get their deliveries quicker than they would even if things were working right at the Postal Service, FedEx, and UPS. Okay, Clark, first question is from Pat in Hawaii. While shopping for a cash-out mortgage loan, how much info should we divulge while just inquiring? Our house is valued at $900,000. The current balance is $78,000, but we plan to apply for $600,000 for major renovations on a home that desperately needs it. My credit union advised that if it didn't pass appraisal, meaning if the repairs needed could be seen, it would not pass inspection, saying it's a catch-22 situation. My granddaughter is with me on this adventure, and as she will own it one day, and with her income, we do qualify. My hair is turning whiter by the minute. Did I mention we live in Hawaii? It's beautiful. Thanks a bunch. Love your show. Aloha. Aloha, Pat. And I should point out that residents of Hawaii like you wish we on the mainland didn't love it so much that since people have started traveling in big numbers to Hawaii, we are overrunning the various islands, and people wish we just wouldn't come in such large numbers. So your case is a very complicated one because you have a home worth a ton, the balance on your loan almost nothing, the improvements you want to do take you from Uh, being in a position where you're 90-something percent equity in your home to where you would have only one-third equity in your home. And so you're going to meet a lot of reluctance in this kind of situation where you are basically doing a very large 
cash out refi. So one thing you should talk to the credit union about is if they will do a home improvement loan that would convert to permanent financing when the home improvements are done. When you do that, many times the credit union or a bank doing this kind of thing will have someone who acts almost like a construction manager for you and looks over the bills from the contractors and releases money from the line of credit, the construction loan, as they or home improvement loan, as they feel the work has been done to the credit union satisfaction, and then they release the funds. It's like they get to be the bad guy with the contractors. Um, you could also go to a mortgage broker, tell the mortgage broker what you're trying to do with a large cash-out refi. You'll still have over 30% equity in your home. You'll have to pay an above-market rate, though, taking out such a large cash-out. And a mortgage broker will be able to find a lender that will take on that risk. So you're not truly in a catch-22 as it feels like from talking to the credit union. From Keith in Alaska, I'm looking for a safe way to use a credit card on the web given limited ability to verify the validity of retailers in some cases. Safe would mean that the retailer would not be able to access my personal information that the card issuer has, like my social security number, date of birth, etc. Is there any such card? And while I'm aware of the gambling nature of Bitcoin and the radical fluctuation in its value, is there a safe Bitcoin credit card that would limit a retailer's potentially identity thief access to my personal information? Okay, so a credit card company, when you use a card to pay for something is not going to disclose your key personal information to whoever you're uh, buying something from. So that's not a concern. The big concern is when you give someone who may not be on the up and up your actual credit card number. Something that's wonderful is the ability for you, when you're doing business with someone who you don't know really who they are and are they really okay, is disposable credit card numbers. There are multiple ways now for you to use disposable credit card numbers. Many large credit card issuers now offer you the ability when you're shopping online to use a disposable number. And add to that, privacy.com has a thing where you can get disposable credit card numbers from them. And that is a way that you would not have to worry about somebody using your information to buy things as if they're you using your account information. But as far as you um, having to worry that because you use a particular credit card that the criminals or shady characters would have all your key personal information just from you using a payment system, that's not going to happen. Next, speaking of scams, there are some I keep hearing about that may catch you off guard, and I want to make sure that you protect yourself, your wallet, and your identity. I hate to do it because I hate to talk about scams and make you think that everybody out there is up to no good. The reality is most people are good, decent people. Unfortunately, 
there are some rotten apples out there and they'll find their way to you eventually. So I want to talk about some things that are all over social media right now, starting with this. So the car market's really, really hot for used cars. And there are people that, uh, there's always been people who choose to sell a used car themselves. So they'll post a car on Craigslist or they'll use eBay Motors or whatever. And other methods online, they'll post a car for sale. And someone will call and say, ask you all kinds of questions about the vehicle. And then they'll ask if they can come for a test drive. They'll usually be pretty well-dressed, well-spoken. And so you let them go test drive your car. And there's so many reports of this. It feels like this is an organized effort right now. They get in your car for the test drive. And it's the last time you ever see your car. It's gone. I don't know if it goes to a chop shop or if it's put on a boat and sold overseas, which has long been a problem in Texas and Florida where vehicles are stolen and put on a boat. It's going to a um, third world country where nobody asks any questions and the car is purchased there and your vehicle is gone. I'm not telling you not to sell your own vehicle individually to another individual. But I have an old rule that applies in this case perfectly. Now, I've said in the past that when you're buying something or selling something on Craigslist, meet the buyer or seller at the closest police precinct. Now, when I've given this advice, there have been uh, police departments that around the country that have been very unhappy with me. They're like, we're not in the swap shop business. But my thing is, prevention is the best cure. If you prevent a crime from occurring, it could be even violent against somebody who's coming with cash for what they think is going to be a fantastic condition. iPhone 11, just one generation back, and it's so affordable for you. No scratches, great condition, blah, blah, blah. Bring your X number of hundreds of dollars in cash. Bam. Next thing they meet is Smith and Wesson or something. Oh, God. So when you say, oh, yeah, why don't we meet at the blah, blah, blah police precinct? I found that's always safest for buyers and sellers. If they are a potential vehicle thief, they're not going to the police station to meet you. They're done with you. They'll be like, what, you don't trust me or something? Next thing you hear is Mr. Buzz. Dial tone. Or if it's emails going back and forth, the emails suddenly stop when you say you do the test drives at the police station. And so that is a simple precaution. And right now it is true. I've been talking about it for the last three months. Used vehicles are bringing obscene amounts of money now, but it seems to have peaked. Just like it seems like the housing thing may have peaked. And so uh, there may be a little more price rationalization coming straight ahead. So uh, I wanted to tell you about another one. And this one is happening way too much. So somebody comes up to you and says, my phone battery is dead 
and I'm late to pick up my child or whatever story they tell you, can I use your phone for just a second to call my wife, husband, whatever, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it is, to go pick up the kid? And, and people are like, yeah, I want to help this person out. And you may be thinking about the crime that used to be so prominent about five years ago, and that is somebody has that phone in their hand and they take off running with your phone. Nope. This is worse than that. Much worse. Because what they do while you think they're dialing a call, they're checking your phone to see if you have Venmo, Cash App, or Zelle. And then they are, before you even realize it or know, they are sending money to themselves from your Venmo, Cash App, or Zelle account. And remember, there's no consumer protections for these apps And they make off with the money. Any excuse somebody gives you wanting to use your phone, there's something you should do. You say, okay, let me dial your whoever for you. And then you let them talk on the phone without touching it. Krista? There was just a huge debate on next door in my neighborhood about this because a lady was at a shopping center And someone came up to her and said, I'd love for you to follow my music account on Instagram. And she was like, absolutely, I'd love to do that. And um, he said, he started giving her his like handle on Instagram. And he goes, well, let me just, let me just do it for you because it's pretty long and complicated. And he's like, just motioning for her to hand him her phone. And she said, no, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't hand my phone over. And he got really angry and called her a weirdo and said she wouldn't like his music anyway and left. And so the neighbors were debating, like some were saying, Oh, is this the same Venmo scam? Just yeah, I'm sure wrinkle? it was like, we don't know because she never handed him her phone, but people were saying that she was, she was being untrusting and like not a nice person because she wouldn't hand the phone over. And other people were like, no way this happened to me. And I had to, they, they sent themselves $500. Next door is a combination of things. And sometimes what you'll see there is not, so accurate, but other times it's an early warning system. Yeah, it's of nice crimes you have that to are prove, happening. You have to prove where you live to use yeah. it. So that is kind of good. But anyway, I immediately have told everyone in my family, don't you ever hand your phone to anyone because I would probably do that. Like, okay, you can <laughs> not thinking about wait, it. Wait, wait, wait. See, I would say there's a different lesson in all this. What? Should you be using Venmo Cash oh. App or Zell? <laughs> See, that presupposes that you should be using them with all the uh, issues they have. And gosh, they make me nervous. All right, let's get to some questions. This is from Michelle in Mississippi. I heard you talk about health savings accounts and would like to open one, but my employer does not sponsor those. What company do you recommend I use? So, Michelle, I am the bearer of terrible news. If your employer does not offer an HSA-qualified health plan, you cannot open an HSA. So an HSA has to have a couple of features to it. One, it has to be high deductible as your health care plan. And once the deductibles met, the coverages have to be outstanding. And so uh, there's, there's not, uh, there, are, there are a fair number of employers, but it's certainly not overwhelming that employers offer HSA-eligible high deductible health plans. So the employer could offer, if they offer you 
an HSA-eligible plan for your health coverage, you get that from them, and then you open, if you are in fact eligible with that kind of health insurance, you then open your own HSA. The best place in America to have an HSA these days is Fidelity Investments. They offer the widest choice, lowest cost HSA plans. This one's from Megan in Georgia. I've heard for years that when using a card for gas or to pay at a restaurant to use a credit card, not a debit card, because of the risk of skimmers. We pay off our credit card each month before any fees and use it sparingly. My husband doesn't believe my concerns are valid, but does listen to your advice. Am I being overly cautious, or is there still a risk in using a debit card for gas and in restaurants? Megan, the big risk today is gas stations, not restaurants anymore. Restaurants overwhelmingly have gone to chip readers. Gas station pumps still, uh, in large part, use the old-fashioned magnetic stripe on the back of a credit card that is very insecure and very easy for skimmers to capture the information. And the, the risk of them capturing the information is the same for a credit card or debit card. The difference in danger to your husband is that with a debit card, all your money disappears from your account because they've now got your account information. They can empty the checking account. And then you've got to fight with your own bank to get your money back. And they are judge, jury, and executioner. You're guilty till proven innocent. And some of the problems we've heard from people trying to get money restored to their accounts after they've been hit by debit card fraud means that even more than I ever thought, calling it the fake Visa or MasterCard for a debit card is intensely more accurate than even what I used to say. So your husband should not use a debit card at a gas station. Once you use a restaurant, Go ahead. This question is from Rick in Pennsylvania, and our hearts go out to you, Rick. He says, my wife is quite ill and probably won't be with us much longer. Oh, Rick. Yeah. Half of our credit cards are in her name with me as an authorized user. Credit card companies don't seem to allow joint accounts anymore. When she passes, do I have the right to take over the accounts? Should I try to change the primary account owner now? Thank you for your great work. So, first of all, I want to tell you, Rick, uh, my heart is with you and I'm really really sorry about your wife facing this terminal illness and the loss for you losing your loving wife so the way it works is you're right most financial institutions will no longer issue joint owner credit that they want one person to be the owner the other person in a relationship or a marriage to be an authorized user, if you wish to have somebody as an authorized user. You cannot change the owner of the account. You can't take over the accounts. So what you do need to do, Rick, is you need to apply for credit in your own name because your ability to use any of these cards will cease once your wife has sadly passed away. So please... Apply for credit in your own name. Since you're an authorized user on these, it's helping boost your credit score. So go ahead and get your own cards. And then later on, at that time, you'll just close these accounts that your wife has had. So another thing is you have no liability for those debts on those cards unless your wife 
passes away with assets, and then it becomes the responsibility of the executor or administrator to settle up debts if there are adequate assets. But anybody who calls you as an authorized user and says you have to pay these personally, it's not true at all. And again, my best to you and to your wife. And I want to thank you for being a part of our community. If you need advice, please reach out to our Consumer Action Center. Team Clark answers your questions for free. Find their hours and contact information at clark.com slash CAC.